Good morning. Having spent the past uh, couple of weeks discussing the serious issues of flooding and climate change, let's focus on day-to-day farming on the programme this week. Physiologically, the planters found all this moisture, this water that we've had, but they are a bit leathery. Slightly tricky to harvest, but we've altered the machines and we're motoring now. Values at the moment are falling quite hard. It's It always does, um, and, and it's yet to be seen how far it drops. Look at this, and you know, root here. I mean, that's, you know, approaching, what's that? It's probably three inches, three and a half, four inches across at the shoulders. So, you know, we're heading towards harvestable roots. Yes, we're talking peas, potatoes and sugar beet, plus, of course, our regular agronomy and grain updates as well. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Tomorrow sees the start of Great British Pea Week, so uh, I thought we'd launch it a day early here on The Farming Programme. As mentioned, having spent the past couple of weeks discussing the horrendous flooding at Wainfleet and looking at the future problems of climate change, this week we're out in the field as farming life must and is continuing. Although, even with the pea harvest, the weather at Wainfleet's had an impact. Uh, Stephen Francis is MD of Fens Peas. Stephen, it's certainly been a challenging start to Harvest 19, hasn't it? Yeah, been well documented and reported that we had... Well, where we're standing now, there's a field just over there with a weather station, and it recorded eight inches of rain in that hit. So, massive, massive challenge, but let's try and be positive currently. We haven't had any rain for... Two weeks now, I suppose. Our travelling conditions are good. We still do have a couple of fields to go to in the Wainfleet area that we probably should have been there yesterday, but we're just giving them a chance to dry out. Because she started really on the heath near the mud bath that was um, cereals. Uh, what a few days after cereals, didn't you? And when when that rain was falling on Wainfleet? Yeah, we did. We started on the. I think it was the 11th of June and it was the morning that the uh, biblical storm arrived and yeah we weren't travelling too badly on there and then we got sort of slightly caught out on some light land near Sleaford where all the water had come out of the town in effect if you've got concrete you can't soak water into it so luckily uh, the drainage balls did a great job and they moved a shed load of water in that area and two days later we could go in and uh, get the peas because it really was like a paddy field in there it was terrible and of course um, we just seen last friday the uh, hottest day of the year so far and a very hot weekend the soil temperature i guess there when you're taking the peas from what the woodall spire area would have been very hot really hot but there is there's an argument that when you get over sort of 26 degrees that the plants will shut down so in terms of maturity um yeah not too bad we're in some nice double a grade and a grade 150 minute peas but you're absolutely right those peas themselves get so warm they'd been over 30 degrees on saturday and then they need to get to minus 20 in 150 minutes so congratulations green yard they kept us going all day and again, it's worth reiterating for regular listeners will know, but maybe you're listening for the first time. You've got a certain minutes you want to get, those 150 minutes from getting it out of the field here into, into, you know, uh, into the freezer. Yeah, the uh, time starts as soon as the first pod is popped and then we send them in split wagons with two batches in so that we're keeping them separate and they, get, they tip every half an hour in effect. Um, and the yeah time starts as soon as the first pod has popped and the time finishes when the last pea of that batch exits the freezer and that's the two and a half hours. I guess logistically it must be, you know, you've got to juggle all of that. You know, yeah, you get new technology perhaps in the field, but of course there's more traffic on the roads now, that can cause problems, can't it? 
Well, it does. We were actually harvesting field near Grantham the other day, and lo and behold, some poor soul had an accident outside the field entrance, and the car caught fire, and luckily we had another avenue to get out. But, yeah, there are challenges. Whilst we're talking here, we know it's school time, so we allow the lorries an extra 10 minutes, because Boston, as we know, desperately needs a bypass. Hint, hint. Um, so yeah, you know, we have those challenges, but we've got communications with phones, with two-way radios, we're all the time talking, and if a lorry sees something, it radios back. So it's all about information. If you've got information, you can react to it. As we stand here now looking at the, the field here, it should be a lush green, shouldn't it? But it, it's really not. No, you're quite right. It should be lush green, and I think anybody else looking at it would think you probably ought to send the combine in, but... I think what's happened is physiologically the plant has found all this moisture, this water that we've had, and it's sucked it all up and it's just given up the ghost and dying. But the pods have not matured rapidly, so they're still holding out as an A and a double A, um, but they are a bit leathery. Slightly tricky to harvest, but we've altered the machines and we're motoring now. And as we stand here now, you, you should really be in Frisney in the Wainfleet area, but you've been to check, and right now we had it on the programme last week, the last couple of weeks, about those crops that were destroyed. You think you might be able to get some of those fields, but some of them are still underwater? They are some still sort of, yeah, they're around your ankles with dampness and water. Um, but yeah, we should have been there yesterday. We will be going over there tomorrow morning with a degree of confidence that we can get the lion's share of them. I don't know if we'll get the lot, but it certainly would be pointless going there yesterday because we would have sunk without trace. So fingers crossed, we're hopeful. So despite the conditions though, what are you hoping for for this season? Oh, God, you ask that every year. Um, as we're currently tracking at the moment, things aren't too bad, but like a lot of other groups, we or in this area, we've got some peas that were drilled later that had only just come through when that rain came, and there are going to be consequences on loss yield on those. So we're only 20% of the way through. At the 50% mark, we'll have a better evaluation, but as we're rocking currently quality good yields okay and we've not had to tow anybody out and what would you like for the rest of this season what were the, the best conditions for you going forward for the next few weeks uh, i suppose not dissimilar today a nice just gentle breeze odd breaks of sun rolling around the 22 23 degree c something like that you know it's yeah i don't ask for a lot do i not at all not at all of course you know it's been a tough year uh, for agriculture a tough year as we've seen with with the crops and, and with the rain i guess the message you, you very not only do you harvest them but you're a strong supporter of peas with the sps campaign and things uh, you know urging shoppers urging listeners i guess back british food back british peas yeah um next week uh monday i suppose is the kickoff is the annual great british pea week so there'll be lots of information out about that and yeah we're encouraged about the promotion of peas we've just had the young pea chef competition the winners i do know them but they will be announced in due course this week and it's great that these youngsters from a very tender age are being encouraged just to use their imagination and experiment with some quite wild and wacky recipes but to engage with our consumer and especially to engage with the youngsters is just fantastic and i hope they get enjoyment out of it because yes we want to sell them peas but we want to try and have a bit of fun and enjoyment out of it at the same time
passionate about his peas. That's uh, Stephen Francis from Fens Peas in a field uh, not far away from uh, Boston. Now we've come to a field not far away. In fact, I can see just opposite uh, New York Sugar Beet Factory. And Simon Leeds is here from British Sugar. Hello, Simon. Hello, Sean. We're in a field of beet from I know. peas. Well, I thought, you know, I thought rather than sit in an office and record this, let's, you know, the sun's shining. Let's come and uh, see the real thing. Absolutely. So uh, it looks very healthy. looks uh, lush green as well, which uh, sadly Stephen wasn't getting uh, with his peas. Are you, are you happy with how it's going so far? Yeah, we are. And, and you know, what a difference a month makes. Um, you know, I think we've all forgotten what decent rain looks like. And uh, I appreciate for some, we've probably had too much in a very short space of time. And it's interesting to look at this map and appreciate our, our listeners won't hear this, but if you look at the map, you know, the southern half of the region received 200% or more of the average uh, for the month, uh, and even sort of the north of the area was well in excess of 100%. So, you know, it was a good, good rain, and it generally fell, you know, reasonably steadily. So it's done done a huge amount of good. Um, so happy with that, and I think you know, contin- crops continue to develop rapidly. I mean, look at this, and you know, root here. I mean, that's you know, approaching what's that? It's probably three inches, three and a half, four inches across yeah. at the shoulders. So, you know, we're heading towards harvestable roots, so uh, looking really healthy. So, I think uh, you know, there's a good potential there, still a long way to go, but 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 good yield potential. We're seeing a little bit of virus, uh, I've talked about that in previous months, a little bit of virus just just in the crop now. But even with neonic seed treatments, we would still have had that because the individual aphids coming in. Um, but the sprays that we've used seem to have worked well. And if you see symptoms in your field and you're unsure as to whether it is virus, do make use of the BBRO plant clinic, send leaf samples off, talk to them, and they'll certainly help you and advise you uh, with that. Um, we are seeing a bit of more general uh, yellowing of crops in some areas, probably related to, to waterlogging, where we have had perhaps in some areas, you know, perhaps a bit too much rain in a short period of time. Many crops now, in ter- I mean, this one here, looking at it, I mean, well in excess of 12 uh, true leaves, but we still need to think about aphid control. So continue to check those crops. And we're looking at a threshold of one wingless aphid per plant. And uh, if that threshold is met, virus is still a threat. Uh, so do be prepared still to, to go out and, and spray. We're also starting to see some leaf miner eggs. So these are the little white eggs you see developing on the back of the leaves. Uh, so keep an eye open of those. Perhaps just a, a week or two early, but now is the time really to start looking out for those all-important uh, fungal diseases on the leaves. So we're thinking particularly uh, about uh, rust and powdery mildew here. Uh, don't please don't spray before you see symptoms because you effectively lose uh, some of the benefit of the of the, the product the material you apply you know once you do see those symptoms be ready to apply those fungicides and the all important thing is the 28 day interval between the sprays don't don't exceed that because you start to lose uh, the benefit and as always do please follow the label recommendation on on products that you're using uh, not in this field um, but we are now starting to see one or two weed beet uh, and bolters appear. A bolter is a is a seed that's been planted this year, but has had sufficient cold to actually produce a seed head in the first year. It's really, really worth controlling these, as as one weed beet uh, will typically produce up to fifteen hundred viable seeds, which is a huge number, and just storing up problems for future years. And one weed beet per meter squared can depress yield by up to 11%, so it's really, really worth getting on top of those and not, say, storing yourself up a problem. So I think that's all about the crop, really, at the moment. And obviously, as I said at the beginning, Sean, we've got the, the factory in the background there. You can see steam uh, coming out. 
so that's indicative of the fact that uh, the factory is operating again in terms of so not processing beet um, but it's, it's doing what we call the juice run the juice run is where we convert what we call thick juice into white crystal so the factory will now be running all the way through to the end of the campaign in terms of refining juice what it allows us to do is to operate a smaller sugar end of the factory as opposed to the beet end where we slice the beet up during the campaign so we slice the beet during the campaign we turn that into liquid some of that liquid we convert to crystal during the campaign but some of it we export into uh, what we call thick juice tanks and you can just see that domed yep. tank in the background it's where we store the the juice and by concentrating that uh, juice up, we can store it safely and then we can re-import it during the off-season or the refining period and turn that into white crystal. And it's just another example of us making the most of our assets and being as efficient as we possibly can. So uh, I guess a lot of people don't appreciate that the factory is operating now. But That's it, yeah. A lot of people think it's not until later in the year, but actually, you know, as you say, you, it's there. You might as well be using it. Absolutely. So, you know, it allows us to, be, you know, to compete in a very competitive market by always looking at our costs. And, and, and that's which is really important. So I thought it was just worth us talking about that. And so, sort of lastly, not least, you know, talking to the growers particularly out there, you know, if you need any help or support at any time with any aspects of the crop, please remember talk to your local contract manager, and they're there to help. Only too happy to do that. That's Simon Leeds from British Sugar on the programme that's literally outstanding in its field. Well, Simon and I, and Stephen Francis and I before that were outstanding in fields. Anyway. <clears throat> Out in the fields every week is our agronomist, Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Are you making the most of the weather? Yes, morning, Sean. Well, we should do, really, shouldn't we? We are in July, after all, and we need sunshine in July to ripen off these crops. And things will start over the course of the next two or three weeks. They'll start to senesce wheat crops, barley crops are already starting. I noticed a picture on Twitter the other day where someone's already cut a crop of barley. I think it was in Norfolk. Um, but things are going to move quite quickly now. We can see in the wheat crops the septoria moving up from underneath, just like we knew it would. We had that really wet period in the middle of last month, and that has encouraged that septoria to move because a lot of the flag leaf fungicides will have gone on around the 20th to 25th of May. That's quite a long time ago now. So they Therefore, any of that inoculum which is still there and still managing to recover itself, the conditions are perfect. Warm, wet, humid, bottom of the crop, away you go. And that's why we're seeing the septoria moving up. When you go and look at fungicide trials like I am at the moment, you can see the difference between untreated and treated. But you also see just how much disease is now starting to appear in those treated fields. But without those fungicides, we really are in a mess. I'd be very interested to see what the organic wheats look like at the moment. I need to go and find some to go and have a poke about in and have a look and see how they're faring out there. Nutrition obviously has been a key. If you kept the nutrition right, then that has helped to fight against the onset of disease because a healthy plant is always a more resilient plant but it's not a panacea so very interesting stuff going on in the wheat interesting stuff on other levels as well if you look at the way where we put clodinophot propargyl or pinoxidin out there to control wild oats and rye grasses in cereal crop initially they looked like they were working really well but again that rain that we took in the middle of june has diluted the effect and diluted the concentration of those herbicides within the wild oats and wild oats and ryegrass that looked like it was going backwards has now started coming forward and moving on again and that's particularly complicated when you've got crops that are pre-basic for basic seed or you're growing for seed 
because if you've already sprayed, and it can be a quite an expensive job if you're using some of these herbicides to control wild oats, if those wild oats have rallied and you're going to have to go and rogue, that's, you're spending money twice to control a weed that should only take one lot of controlling. So it may end up to be a slightly more complicated season than we thought, and it was going to be complicated enough as we move through. So the big talking point this week, I suppose, if anybody's got oilseed rape, is the pre-harvest control of oilseed rape crops ready for the combine if you i use that word advisedly because reglone is a desiccant diquat is a desiccant glyphosate is a harvest aid because it will control green matter in the bottom of the crop and fast forward the ripening process and of course swathing you're cutting the crop off at the ground and you're instantly stopping it at that point so when it comes to glyphosate timing you want to look at the middle pods on the raceme and if there are more brown than green then you're good to go with glyphosate you do need a little bit of green in there in order to move the glyphosate around but generally speaking that is the timing now the weather we took last weekend has bleached a lot of these canopies they look a lot more further forward than they are so please get out there and check them don't just assume that when you've driven past a field it's ready to go because they're like icebergs 90 percent of the crop is below that which you can see and if that's all green you're going to do more harm than good by going too soon also check your variety and see whether it has pod shatter resistance because a lot of the modern varieties do particularly the EX varieties and many many of the Clearfield varieties have that inbuilt just check your varieties have a look because that takes the pressure off timing it in order to make sure you don't lose seed as you go through the crop if you go through when you're desiccating and you leave a trail of white behind you then you're probably three days too late I would rather be three or four days too early with glyphosate because of that fact that it fast forwards ripening rather than stops it dead Reglone slightly more timing critical because that's going to stop it dead in its tracks and you'll be harvesting it around 10 days afterwards so you need to be sure that you're at the right point with that possibly use a pod stick in with the reglone because it will make it very brittle but again look and see as to whether these crops that you're growing and the varieties you're growing have pod shatter resistance and swathing is a very similar timing to glyphosate maybe three or four days later than glyphosate and this year hopefully people will still be able to stand it up on a stubble because things went very flat with six inches of rain all over them so that may be more of a challenge for the swather men few and far between as they are now there's not many men out there with swathers and ladies out there with swathers sugar beet with sort of five weeks since we put four to five weeks since we put that first insecticide on for the misers persky remember as your crop gets bigger and bigger the need for you to spray for aphid activity within there diminishes significantly once you get a crop to 14 to 16 leaves it produces its own defense mechanism and you'll find misers persky green aphid with a black abdomen because the plant is doing that to them it's stopping them direct feeding on it once you get above 20 leaves the risk kind of disappears altogether at the moment i haven't seen anything which warrants me going out and putting another insecticide on and these fields when you look at them are absolutely full of predators a lot of spiders a lot of little tiny spiders webs underneath the leaves an awful lot of ladybirds hoverflies lacewings all of those things are in there all of those things are doing good and all of those things are helping to manage that aphid threat too late now to do anything about fusarium in your wheat don't waste your time or your money really too late to do anything 
much that's going to influence the yield on cereal crops. Potatoes maintain those blight intervals. Peas and beans just monitor the situation now. Downy mildew seems to have panned off. It, it's at a level which is no worse than it was last week. But chocolate spot, downy mildew, bean rust, they're all going to appear in these conditions. And as, let's face it, over the course of the next three or four weeks, we're going to start to see these crops going to desiccation phase. So they'll start to desiccate themselves as we move forward. But if the crop's still got flowers, it's still setting pods, particularly peas and beans, you need to be managing that disease, particularly the wet weather diseases like the metritis, the grey mould and the mycosphorella. So another interesting week. Good to be alive, Sean. <laughs> Isn't it just? Thank you, Sean. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services, who you'll see on your TV tomorrow night if you watch Horizon. He's uh, the voice of reason when it comes to pesticide in food production with Hannah Fry. BBC Two, half past nine tomorrow night, uh, presuming what makes the final edit. You never can tell with TV, can you? Uh, right, let's uh, get an update on potatoes, shall we? Colin Jackson is from PJP. Has the uh, weather extremes of the past month had an impact on the new season, Colin? Well, a lot of it is yet to be seen, to be quite honest with you. Um, certainly at the moment, we are finding wet problems in, in you know, there's, there's some patches, low parts of fields where crop has been written off. Uh, several farmers have probably lost up to 10% of their crop already. Um, but yeah, still very much yet to be seen what will have the long-term effect on it. It is, as you say, the early early start of the season, just getting into the season really now, aren't we? Yes, that's right. Yeah, we're just clearing the very first earlies. Um, second earlies will be coming along probably in the next sort of two weeks or so. Uh, we shall start sort of in earnest in the uh, in the second earlies um, with the, uh, the, the fish and chip shop trade and that kind of thing. And then as the season goes on, another sort of two or three weeks after that, they'll start with set skin material, um, you know, for packing and baker material and that kind of thing. Any any early indications? Um, values at the moment are falling quite hard. Um, it's, it always does. Um, and, and it's yet to be seen how far it drops and it, it finds its own level at some point. Um, we've seen this week a drop of probably about a hundred pounds a ton, you know, like this time last week, we were still paying 300 ton, uh, pounds a ton plus, um, we're down to sort of mid two hundreds now, uh, and looking like it is going to keep falling a little bit further. Um, as we sort of assess yields and qualities and everything else. I was going to say, is there a reason for that, for it to be such a hard fall at the moment? Um, just the potential of the crop. Right. Um, everybody's sort of looking over their shoulder a little bit and thinking, yeah, we need to get some of this crop cleared out, um, look at the grass. You know, we discussed earlier how the, um, the, the grass has grown very well, and it's the same for most crops, and certainly potatoes run along the same kind of line. So the potential yield is quite high, Having said that, you know, we are seeing several problems out and about, um, you know, viral problems, for instance, the seed, a lot of the seed stocks that went in last year weren't particularly good um, because of the stressful growing season last year. Uh, so it's not all done by the shouting very much. You know, there, there is internal problems and there could be higher wastage levels than people are anticipating at the, at the moment. And we talked about the drought, obviously, of, of last year and that really dry conditions. That is having a, a knock on, we think, this year, yeah? Yes. Oh, yes, very much. Um, because it, it did affect the, the, the seed growing last year, the quality of the seed that we planted this year for this year's wear crop uh, certainly has been much lower than we would uh, anticipate normally. Conditions when the seed went in were, were, were great, really, weren't they? The weather at the beginning of this year was ideal for what you wanted to do. Yes, achieve. yes, it was very much. Um, planting went very well, which is always... It's never a great thing for the trade, you know, because everybody's uh, crop went in over a relatively small um, or short space of time. 
So it means that it obviously comes ready over a relatively short space of time. So again, we, we find that a lot of green top comes ready for the market at the same time. And so we get an oversupply situation, which is what we're starting to see at the moment. As, as ever, you're remaining optimistic. Yes, yes, you have to be in this job. You have to remain optimistic. Um, and, and yes, you know, as I say, though, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, potentially there are some yield losses around, um, which hopefully will just create a little bit of confidence. That's what we're looking for. Always looking for confidence. That's Colin Jackson from PJP. How are the grain markets? Kit Dickinson has the update from Open Field. This week in the uh, wheat market, we have had some news from Germany, which is on course for a larger winter wheat crop after the drought. The Association of German Farmers, the DBV, said Germany will harvest 24.1 million metric tonnes of winter wheat this year in 2019, up from the 19.6 million metric tonnes last year. The total EU grain crop for harvest 2019 has been projected by Cocereal at 301 million tonnes. This is slightly up from the previous March forecast of 298.5 million tonnes and significantly up from last year's crop when farmers harvested only 281 million tonnes of grain. Wheat production has seen a 140.3 million million tonne rise, up slightly from the 139 million tonne seen in last March and well above the 127.4 in 2018. After a dry fall in 2018 and a period of six weeks in March and April of dry conditions, things have stabilised after the recent rains. Most wheat at present is about five to six weeks away from harvest, but early drilled wheat on lighter land could come earlier. After the intense heat last weekend, we have now dropped down to 20 degrees and sunny weather, which is perfect for grain fill. Yield expectations are looking promising if this weather does continue. Moving on to all seed rape this week, the winter rapeseed crop will fall to 3.1 million metric tonnes from 3.7 million metric tonnes last year and harvest is anticipated to have a sharp reduction in the sowed area after a poor autumn weather in Germany. The rapeseed production forecast for the EU has been reduced from 18.6 million tonnes to 17.9 million tonnes due to a sharp reduction in the French crop. A lot of OSR has been desiccated this week and this will continue into next week. The orseed rape harvest is upon us and will start within the next 10 days to 2 weeks. Barley. The EU barley production forecast for 2019 stands at 59 million tonnes, down from 59.4 previously, but up from the 56.1 of last year. After the heat last weekend, winter barley crops have started to turn and overall look very well. Limited news on the market for barley, but harvest is imminent and could come as soon as next week. Moving on to fertiliser, there is still availability for October delivery from CF, but volumes have slowed down hugely. For any specifics, please contact your open field farm business manager. Moving on to prices this week, feed wheat for July is 141x the farm, and harvest 140 to 143. November 144 to 146, and May 149 to 152. Milling premiums are currently in the region of £22 for new crop. Oilseed rape, harvest 302 to 305, November 313 to 315, and May 320 to 322. Barley at harvest is 120 to 123, November 126 to 128, February 130 to 132, and May 134 to 135. There's currently no old crop bean market, but looking forward to new crop, November is 190 to 195, May 200. As you can see, there is little carry, but 
there is still a long way to go until harvest. Thanks for that. Kit Dickinson from Open Field. Right, on to the weather. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, we're looking at another fairly settled week, maybe some rain in the latter half, a mixture of sunny spells and cloud through the beginning of the week, though temperatures around 20 Celsius, overnight lows this week around 10. That wind from the west today, and indeed for much of the week, with the exception of tomorrow, when there'll be more from the north. Speeds mostly in single figures, we're looking at 5 to 10, maybe the odd gust between 10 and 15. As ever, our hourly forecasts will bring you the very latest. It's the Great Yorkshire Show this week from Tuesday to Thursday. I'll be there, so uh, look out for the Farming Programme jacket. Come tap me on the shoulder and say hello. We'll have highlights on next week's programme. Until then, don't forget, Sean Sparling on tomorrow night's horizon and enjoy Great British Pee Week. Take care.